Hi, and welcome to the 10-Minute Food Truck Training Podcast. My name is Bill Moore. I am a food truck business coach and author of Food Truck 101, Beginner to Winner. This podcast is all about helping you start and grow your food truck business. Today, I am going to cover a topic that was requested on our Facebook group, and that is about taxes. First thing I want to say is I am not a tax attorney. I am not an accountant. So any suggestions that I have and any explanations that I give, double check to make sure that what I've said is accurate for your particular situation and your particular state. So I'm going to talk in generalities because I'm not going to give advice. That's why I recommend you have experts on your Rolodex or on your speed dial on your cell phone to help you answer the questions that pertain to you specifically. So the first thing I want to talk about when it comes to taxes is the different tax filing systems that we have as far as the federal tax goes. You can file as a sole proprietor, you can file as a partnership, you can file as an S-Corp or a C-Corp. So the only one that I'm going to talk about out of that grouping of different ways you can file is going to be the sole proprietorship because that's the one that most people start with. A sole proprietorship, again, is the most common business structure and it's also the easiest to establish. A sole proprietor draws no distinction between you as a business and you as a person when it comes to taxes. As a result, the IRS treats you as your both, so you're a single entity. You can receive all the income from your business activities and you're solely responsible for any debts and tax obligations the business accumulates. The advantages of being a sole proprietorship, besides just being it super easy to set up, is you also have just complete control over your business decisions because there's no partners and there's no board of directors if you're a corporation. Depending upon the state where you live and then also the state you do business in, especially if you travel from state to state, you probably can form your sole proprietorship without a special license, but there are some states that make you have a little bit of additional paperwork, so make sure you understand what you're doing, especially if you travel around. As a sole proprietor, is much easier to run when it's just you or you and a family member. If you go to engage yourself in hiring people outside of your family and getting into payroll, you're probably going to want a little bit more complex business structure. And again, talk to the experts to get what is right for you in your situation and in your area. So for tax purposes, a sole proprietorship is what's known as a pass-through entity. What that means is the business income passes through to the business owner who then reports it on their personal income tax. And what this does is it reduces the amount of paperwork. You only have one set of paperwork to file that covers both you the person and you the business. Whereas if you have an S-Corp or a C-Corp, then there's going to be your personal federal income tax and state income tax paperwork to file, as well as the business will have its own set of paperwork that has to be filed. So sole proprietorship is a little bit less complicated when it comes to filing taxes. So here's the list of taxes that you're either going to be collecting or that you have to pay as a business. First, we all know what federal federal income tax is. If you make money, the government is going to to tax you on it. So that's your income. We all, if we've ever worked for a company in the past, our paycheck would have some type of federal income tax line, and that is a deduction taken away from your gross pay, and that's what we refer to as take-home pay. That particular deduction for a federal income tax varies from person to person based on their income and tax bracket that they fall into, plus the number of deductions that they have as far as children and spouse and so forth. So that number does fluctuate from person to person. State income tax operates the same way if you live in a state that assesses income taxes. Then you may have a line if you worked for a company in the past that would have read FICA or it may have said Social Security and then it may have had a separate line for Medicare or it could have been combined into FICA. In any case, that's a tax that does not change from person to person. It's a set percentage, no matter how much you make or how little you make. 
doesn't matter how many children you got or how many deductions are on your paperwork, you have to pay that FICA tax when you work for a company. As a self-employed person, you're still paying that. And I'll talk about the differences between working for a company and working for yourself and how that impacts you on the FICA. Then, of course, you're also going to have to be concerned with your federal and state estimated taxes. An estimated tax is how much you think you're going to owe the government in taxes at the end of the year. So, for example, if you sit and project your sales out and go, okay, all my expenses, all my sales equal this, that means I'm going to owe $10,000 in federal and state taxes, the, the government, both the U.S. government and your state government, expects you to pay that quarterly. So if you say at the end of the year, I'm going to owe $10,000, they will expect you to pay $2,500 to them every quarter. If you don't pay it quarterly, you're exposing yourself to interest and penalties. As a business, in most states, you're going to be collecting a sales tax. And again, that's a collection. So you got to make sure you understand that that tax is not yours. You don't pay it. You're collecting it on behalf of the state and then remitting that money to the state or the county or whatever organization is requiring you to collect it in the first place. So it's never your money, but it is a tax and it is something you have to deal with. And you got to understand that each of the taxes I mentioned, plus there could be others, have their own reporting requirements and their own payment schedule. So you got to know what those are. So let's talk about the federal and state income tax. Sole proprietors are going to need to file two forms to pay their federal income tax, and that's at least two forms, depending upon how complex your, your personal tax situation is, as well as how complex the business tax situation is. So first, the form that everybody knows is the 1040. That's the individual tax return. That takes care of all the individual items that are on a tax return. And again, depending upon the complexity of yours, there may be additional forms, but at minimum, 1040. Now for the business side, since you have a business, you're going to have to file what's called a Schedule C. That is where you report the business profit as well as the business losses. And again, depending upon how complex your business is, you may need additional forms to supplement the Schedule C. But at the very minimum, you will file a 1040 and a Schedule C. Whatever is recorded on the Schedule C ends up on the 1040. So the Schedule C supports the 1040. Two forms you got to fill out for sure. Now your tax bracket and the amount of income tax owed are based on your combined income from both the Form 1040 and the Schedule C. So if you work for a company that's not your business and then your part-time job is doing the food truck, you're going to have those two incomes will be combined on your 1040 and that puts you into a tax bracket and you'll have to pay taxes based on whatever that particular bracket is. Now let's talk about the one that everybody just absolutely hates and they call it the self-employment penalty. And I'm going to explain to you why it's not actually a penalty. The self-employment tax, and this is what the IRS refers to it as, all it is is the FICA. If you work for a company and somebody else is paying you, there will be a line on your paycheck that says FICA. When you own your own business, the name of it changes to self-employment tax. Now what people don't know when they work for a company and they're not involved with payroll and the taxes, all they see is their paycheck and it says FICA and let's say that you make $1,000 a week. The amount of money coming out of that's going to be about $76.50. So at every $1,000 paycheck you get, it has a line taking away $76.50. 
That's your FICA that goes towards your Social Security and your Medicare when you retire. That is a set percentage, never ever changes. Everybody pays that same percentage amount. What people don't know is that the company you work for is also paying that exact, that exact same amount on your behalf. So you're paying $76.50. Your company that employs you is paying $76.50 for you that goes into your personal account. So when you retire at age 62, 65, or 67, that money is contributing towards whatever your monthly payment will be from Social Security. So you pay it and the company you work for pays it. As a self-employed person, guess what? You're paying both sides. You're paying the individual side and you, because you're employing yourself, you're also paying the company side. The tax doesn't change. It's still the same amount. So if you did a thousand dollars, you're still paying, you personally are paying $76.50, but because you also employ yourself, you're paying another $76.50. So people refer to that as a self-employment penalty. It's not a penalty. It's just, yeah, you have to pay both sides of the equation, but whether you work for yourself or you work for a company, somebody's still paying the exact same amount. So we've talked about federal, we talked about state a little bit, and we talked about the FICA, which technically is called the self-employment tax when you go to file your income tax at the end of the year. I'm going to briefly touch on the federal and state estimated taxes. Again, if you're going to owe money, the government expects you to pay that every quarter. So if you're not understanding estimated taxes, you need to talk to an accountant to make sure you're getting that money into the government when it's supposed to be there. Otherwise, you're going to pay interest. You're going to pay penalties. And I don't want you to do that. That's why I recommend you talk to people that are professionals in their fields about things that you don't know about. That's why I'm very hesitant to give tax advice. That's why I'm very hesitant to give legal advice because things are so different based on state to state, city to city, and then even person to person when it comes to taxes. One thing I do want to talk to you about on the, the estimated taxes is they're due in January, April, June, and September, but those are offset. You're always paying them behind. So the one that you pay in April is actually covering January, February, and March, and then it's due in April. So the one that's due in January is actually wrapping up the year that just ended in December. So you've got to keep that in mind when you're plotting out your payments and what your estimates are going to be that you're always behind as far as the time frame goes. Don't think that the one you pay in September is the only one you got to pay for the remainder of the year because it's not. You still got one more to do. That'll be the one in January. Now we'll talk about sales tax for just a second. Remember, sales tax is something you collect. If your state charges or requires you rather to collect sales tax on certain food items or all your food items, all you're doing is collecting it and then remitting it back to the state organization that is asking you to collect it in the first place. And you need to know when those remittance dates are. Could be monthly, could be quarterly. You don't want to miss them because the state will come after you wanting their sales tax. So I'm going to give you just a couple of real quick deduction ideas. Because you're running a business, you're running a food truck, you do have some opportunities to get deductions that may not appear to you readily. So let's talk about like a home office deduction. If you have a computer set up at home where you're doing all your paperwork, your invoices and that kind of thing, you should take the home office deduction. And again, talk to a tax professional to make sure you're doing it properly. If you make a contribution to a IRA account or a solo 401k, those help to reduce your tax exposure. Contributions to a health savings account, those contributions are deductible. Advertising and marketing expenses are deductible. Interest on a business loan, bank fees, 
educational expenses that are related to your business. So when you take the SurSafe Food Manager certification, that's deductible. If you enlist my services as a business coach, that's deductible because I'm educating you on how to operate your business better. Those things are deductible. Of course, legal and professional fees, those are all deductible. Telephone, internet. If you use your car to, to drive around to pick up supplies for your business without towing your trailer behind you, you can deduct that use of your personal car. Of course, taxes and licenses and all the stuff you've had to do to get into business, all of that becomes a deduction as well. And then, of course, when you get into the personal side of tax deductions, you can deduct health insurance premiums, child and dependent care expenses, mortgage interest if you own your own home, and if you make charitable contributions. All of those things are deductions as well. So it's super important that you reduce your tax exposure in a legal manner. That doesn't make you a bad person because you're trying to take advantage of the laws that were written so that you don't have to pay more money than you legally should. And that's why you, you want to make sure you're talking to the experts. So I'm just giving you all these ideas so that you understand and can help yourself to not pay as much taxes. So the bottom line, you can't avoid filing sole proprietor taxes, but if you understand them, it can make the whole process a whole lot easier. I've just given you a handful of ideas to think about and to look into to make sure that it fits in with your particular needs. There's a whole lot of information on taxes. There's volumes and volumes written on taxes and tax laws. That's why I tell everybody, please, and I've said it about 50 times in this podcast, talk to experts from your area. Talk to the people that you're going to share details about your particular finances, your personal finances, and your business finances. Because those things may change the answers. Because they want to give you the best possible advice based on you. So please seek advice from experts and share your needs with them. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you're finding all the information useful to your business, please consider becoming a monthly supporter of the podcast. Just hit the support button or follow the links in the description. Every little bit does help keep us going. If you like being around like-minded positive people, join our Facebook group. We have a whole bunch of awesome members and they're at all different levels from brand new people to decades old veterans. They're all there to help you succeed in your food truck business. And thank you guys so much for listening. Come back tomorrow. I'll have a whole bunch more to say about topics relating to the food truck industry.